0: started. Welcome to the People's Show. I'm Vic Nazar, Dominic Sharmati with me as well running the show. You as well, the people on the People Show. Most important feature uh, broadcasting live from the Kintec Studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.com. Dot net. you can text in to the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox the smart alternative visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver online at dunbarlumber.com what is going on how are you i like the uh the wednesday shows especially when we don't have a tuesday show early Canucks game yesterday big win obviously as well Uh, But I've had to uh, keep myself in my uh, guess the line's cocoon. And so we're going to have to break that out today on a Wednesday. We'll do the power ranks as well. Bix best later on today in about 20 minutes. The top 10 in the NFL. Did your team make it? Are they sitting number three? Are they sitting number five? What is it? We'll get to that in just a little bit. Uh, Also, Danny Kelly will join us as well as he does every Wednesday to help out uh, your fantasy football situation, getting to that stage of the season. Uh, You got to start making some trades before your trade deadlines, getting ready for the end of your fantasy football season. Uh, We'll talk to Danny. You can chime in with your thoughts as well, your concerns that you got with your rosters or your leagues, uh, trade ideas you're considering. Text him in 650-650. I'll pitch those to Danny Kelly later on in the show, and yeah, we'll get to the people's picks as well. But let's start off with hockey before we jump into uh, football and some football as well. Cristiano Ronaldo breaking his silence. We talked about it a bit on Monday, but half of the interview is up. Uh, Don, did you watch uh, the, the live stream of the interview?
1: Unlike you, I've been
0: working. <laughs> what, you can't have a phone on the side and no. live stream somewhere?
1: I've been here all day. Actually, all day? Yes. Oh. My bad then. I had no idea. Continue. We- I wait with bated breath.
0: <laughs> See, like, this was the problem of, like, releasing so much. It's it's a lot of it he already said, and, and we just heard snippets, uh, longer versions of it uh, today. But we'll get into that in just a bit. But I do want to start with hockey. Because we've been having this conversation so much about you know, the the directions of which, which direction this team should take. And, you know, you get a win last night. It doesn't change a whole lot. Obviously, a win is fantastic and makes everyone feel warm and fuzzy and hopefully view things a bit clearer. But nevertheless, uh, you know, the, the, the Canucks are still in their spot and – Still trying to get back into this, and it's 13 points and 17 games, and it's having their struggles. But when you look at this, where where they are right now, and and all like, there's so much focus on Bo Horvat, and I want to play something uh, from Elliot Friedman today, talking about you know other things that are uh, irons in the fire for the Vancouver Canucks. But this era of Canucks hockey is going to. You know, for me, come to a close at some point. The the post Sedine era. And for me, eras, you can kind of define them in two to three players. That's how we traditionally do this, right? It's the Sedine era. It's not everyone, even though there's a lot of great supporting cast members. Kessler, Burroughs, Yexa, on and on and on. Luongo obviously ends up in the Hall of Fame. But we traditionally refer to it as the Sedine era. We call it the West Coast Express era. Might even call it the Messier era. Um, but you know the, the 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 names of it are short. It's the Crosby and Malkin era. It's the Kane and Taze era in Chicago. Bergeron and Marchand, the Chara era there in Boston. So what is the post sedine era? And for me, it's just look at the draft class that followed them. It's Brock Besser, obviously. You know we, we the the Vertanen draft pick and Beau Horvat. You want to throw you Levy in there too? Sure. I'll say it's the Bowen Brock era, the post Sedine era, which is a heck of a tough act to follow. And there's teams or players and prospects in Pittsburgh that are like, oh, I've got to follow Crosby and Malkin, and prospects that haven't really been drafted yet, but that are going to have to follow Kane and Taze, and prospects in LA that are, you know, have to live up to and live in the shadow of Doughty and Kopitar. Achieved great things, players that are all going to the Hall of Fame. And you have to follow that. It's a tough act to follow, but this era at some point is going to come to a close, just because where the Canucks are, we know about Bo Horvat's contract status. But again, it's been mentioned today. Uh, maybe there's some focus elsewhere outside of just Bo Horvat and Brock Besser is one of those guys and you know, he, he's got a point streak going the production if you just look at the box score and the raw totals is there but the actionable moments are those there so far we'll get into it more in just a second but I do want to play this back from 32 thoughts or actually the Jeff Merrick show uh, which you can hear daily on Sportsnet 650 if you miss it you can subscribe to the pod as well along with Halford and Brough, Canucks Talk, ourselves here on the People Show and Canucks Central. But here's what Elliot was talking about uh, when mentioning the Vancouver Canucks today.
2: And I think, I, you know, we were talking about this yesterday and, um, you know, it, we've talked about this actually a lot about, you know, how we just think the whole Boudreaux thing is just, it's it's at the point of unfair. Like, make it say either he's staying or he's not and, and just do it. Um, but... Uh, I, I think there's a lot more swimming under the surface there. I don't, you know, like Horvath gets a lot of the attention because he's the unrestricted free agent having the monster season. Yep. But I think there's, I think they're, they've got a lot of other lines out in the water. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think there's uh, some of their players, I, I think they're still looking for defense. Look, like the number one problem with uh, with Vancouver, I mean, aside from the fact that Demko has not been Demko, has been their defense. And I still think they're looking to fix that and add to that. But I, I think Rutherford and Alvine have a lot of lines out there. I, I think they've got uh, a lot of things that they're looking at and considering. And I think they're waiting to see what bites.
0: It's from Elliot Friedman with uh, Jeff Merrick on the Jeff Merrick Show. And so you look at some of the other names. You know, for one, the one that stands out to me, and we talked about this in the summer, is the reason you kind of had to sign Brock Besser is that can you try to restore the value? And it was difficult for a team to try to acquire and give him the type of long-term contract that he probably wanted. So you do this bridge version and try to find the next available option uh, when that timeline opens up. But you know that's a name. I, I, I think Dave Penyota is well mentioned as well today about Brock Besser, and so that that name's going to be out there as we get closer to the trade deadline. One of the options. So you look across the league right now. Where are the Vancouver Canucks as far as eras closing? And what eras do you look at across the league and say, okay, this one is also kind of getting to a stage as well? Uh, some people texting in Rager. Isn't it the Benning era? But how many times do we ever say that about executives? Who, who, who's who got posters of executives on their walls? Do we call it the Gillis era or we call it the Sedin era, right? We, we always call it the players. Seldom do we use it. The executives, but I, I see the text coming in uh, saying it's the Benning era, not the, uh, post-Sedin era, not the Horvat and, and Besser era. For me, it is. I understand why it might not be for you, but for me, it, it's players define the eras, not the executives. Uh, this one, it's like he built it and it continues to have his clamps on it. So it is his era. Uh, and minor Matt texting in, boom, Mark Messier era, uh, Hey, look, it's an era that exists. As much as we don't want to recognize it, 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 it's an era that exists. But where are the Canucks right now in this era coming to a close across the league as some other ones come to a close? Mention Chicago. You know, Tays and Kane. This is going to be a competitive market as far as, you know, those two contracts coming to a close as well. And will teams value that over maybe someone like Bo Horvat? I think it's... A way tougher reality. Like Jonathan Taves is not playing anywhere near the level of Bo Horvat is. And it's also if you retain that money, it's only five point two five. That's where Bo Horvat's contract is. Five point five. You retain on Bo Horvat something that's like a five point seven or two point seven five. What other eras right now do you look at across the league are are the Canucks competing with as far as where their builds are right now? St. Louis, they got O'Reilly, Tarasenko, both at seven and change. Those eras coming to a close. Now, they've got the same thing here in Vancouver where the next era is ready to take over. It's the Pedersen and Hughes era that at some point is going to evolve into the primary uh, era for the Vancouver Canucks. In St. Louis, they've got Thomas, Cairo, But you think Petrangelo's already gone? That was a big part of their era, the Stanley Cup winning era. Winnipeg, they got Shifley and Wheeler. You start mapping this out and where the Canucks are is, do they have to take advantage of this opportunity looking at it and saying, all right, do we try to get ahead of some of these teams? Obviously, Los Angeles, Doughty, Kopitar. You know, there's some teams with – established pros. LA's won their cups. They got Doughty, Kopitar quick. Brown's already gone. Pittsburgh, Crosby, and Malkin. Like At some point, that's going to come to a close, if not uh, this year. Washington's got Ovi and Backstrom. Uh, Bruins with Bergeron and Marchand. These are the type of eras right now that the Canucks are kind of looking at and saying, "We've we've got to navigate this space as others start to close out, and will they start to uh, liquidate some assets, maybe not the higher end like Washington and Boston, but certainly in the middle there, St. Louis, Chicago, Winnipeg. Those are the big, you know, four right now. That you look at changing of the guards that are happening across the NHL, and I think you'll see it here uh, in Vancouver as well. As much as there's trepidation of when is this build going to start accelerating, uh, you know, we talked about on the post game show last night how to like what the timeline could be and, and how to actually pull off trades right now given where what the cap ramifications are. It's not that it's tough to make trades of the realities of evaluating players. It's more about the economic reality of there's about 70 to $80 million of available cap space across the league, total, of, of the spending pool. And most of that resides with Anaheim, Chicago, Buffalo, Arizona. It's like 68 to 72% of that. So, to try to find trading partners right now is going to take closer to January and February. And then you'll see this era come to a close for Vancouver. But uh, they got this uh, tough stretch coming up uh, versus LA, versus Vegas, versus Colorado and Vegas. We'll see if that uh, accelerates the conversation. Uh, as well uh this one here the josh holden era yeah people are texting in their fair era favorite eras now as well uh 650 650 uh the players don't botch the era the gm does 100% the benning era that is from keith the water guy uh again this is more about what happens on the ice i i think it's the Bo and Brock era—they're the ones that follow the Sedin's. This is that, that that first opportunity to step into the limelight, and and now they're they're ending their next contracts. So uh, Horvat, more specifically, his second contract is coming up. So that's you know getting to the end of an era. That's a 2013 draft. It's been some time here. So that also predates uh, Benning as well. So you know for for me, it's the post Sedin era. And there's that little stopgap there prior to getting into the Twins, or uh, sorry, getting into Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes. Uh, We'll get to a couple other things in just a minute. I do want to touch on the Cristiano Ronaldo interview as we get geared up for the World Cup. We'll do some more World Cup talk later on this week as well. Uh, First match, Dom, does it feel like it snuck up on you at all this weekend? No, quite the contrary. I feel like Sleepless
1: nights? Man, not maybe not sleepless nights, Vic. But, uh, I, I mean, I've been waiting like, impatiently. Like, yeah. man, how much longer until mm-hmm. this World Cup begins? I, no, it hasn't I, snuck up at all.
0: I, I think maybe because the Canada match is the one that I'm like, all right, we're we're a little bit further away from that one. That's a week from today, by the way. Um, but like Sunday, things get going. Exciting. Uh, so we'll start doing some more previews on that uh, coming up. Sure, of course. But the Cristiano Ronaldo interview starts to come today. And like I mentioned on Monday with Batch, you can go listen to that on the podcast. Bad messenger, wrong time, but it is the right message. If you're a Manchester United fan, like myself, it's been tough realities. Dom? Like both of sorry, us. Sorry, I forgot Jeez. that. Uh, also, Alon's here. Alon, are you a soccer guy? Of Course, who isn't? Grew up in uh, Canada, you know. Big club or like do you have a European club? Uh I'm a big white caps guy. Okay. Well, well, well. So no. Fantastic. Uh yeah. So no. <laughs> um Yeah, for United fans, it's been ten years of no trophies. Yeah. No important trophies. Um the the, the odd sprinkling here and, and Christian Aldo today just pointing out hey when I left it's the same environment here. It's the same technology. It's the same gym. It's same the jacuzzi. same ideas. <laughs> same jacuzzi. And how are you trying to improve player performance and keep up with the Madrid's, the Juventus's, the Barcelona's, the Manchester City's, Liverpool's, Chelsea? And it's been the big complaint for a lot of United fans to say. The club has fallen behind. It's a volatile interview, and there's no way he's coming back to Manchester United, especially when he's talking about some of the younger players and didn't name names, but very much was some of the direction goes in one year, goes out the other. It's the right message, and you can see it translate into results. They don't win enough games, don't win trophies, don't attract the best stars, and the stadium's falling apart. What you get out of it is what you put into it. And not enough has been put into it. And not enough players are trying to get more out of their careers. And he talked about longevity. A lot of these players won't have long careers or impactful careers. So again, he said a lot of truths that were probably difficult to hear. But he's also doing it from a self-motivated place, self-interested place. And that's the tough thing that's conflicting for a lot of people to look at this and say... Do I really care what you have to say? Because it's the, it's the, it's the wrong messenger, but it's the right message, and we'll see what part two uh, unveils here tomorrow.
1: It's going to be horridly lost in the sea of other comments yeah. that are made. But that doesn't mean everything he says is wrong. No. But what do we do as as people? Which is the wrong thing? It's like you
0: got to listen to the entire message. And you can't just say, it's not binary, right? There's right and there's wrong to everything. Sure. And and there is some gray area to everything. But we're going to key in on the comments that incense us the most. Right, but how do you solve the problem? And what's the problem? Not us out. That's how you solve the problem. Well, that, but also, like, Manchester United is not a big club anymore.
1: I disagree. The, are they one of the power seven? They will always be... Uh, in the top echelon of world football, in are, terms are, are of they attention in the top seven? and brand power, are they in the top seven? Of brand power, yes. We're talking about
0: winning titles.
1: No, of course not. We're talking about, but in terms of brand, they are.
0: In terms of brand, they're maybe top two. Yeah. Do you like? Do you intend to tell your grandkids about the brand? Be like, oh man, in in two thousand twenty-four.
1: The brand of Manchester United was so great. Most liked tweet of all time. No, but or, what's or, or, behind or... the brand? Fergie, the Champions League wins, all the Premier or League Or do you want titles. to talk about
0: championships Yeah, and titles, right? By the way, they did have the most liked tweet of all time. Uh, but you got no intention of telling them about that. The future generations. It's, it's about what happens on the pitch. It's what happens on the playing surface. And right now, they're not a top seven club. Probably not even a top ten club. How do you get back to that? And that's what he's saying through the lens of, I want out of this club because I'm trying to maximize the last part of my career, go to the World Cup on an upswing. That's not happening, obviously. Uh, He has
1: a stomach bug today.
0: (laughs) Convenient. Yeah. Convenient. He'll probably have one tomorrow, too. So, again, he's self-interested, but what he's saying uh, certainly has a lot of truth behind it uh, as well. All right, 650-650. Jump back into the inbox here. Uh, <laughs> uh, your text coming in uh, as far as uh, what eras you love the most? Martan Brochu era, the Harold Druken era, uh, coming in from Andrew in Victoria. Uh, good stuff. Uh, into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. All you right, know
1: what era gets slept on? Just quickly. Uh, okay, the Anson Carter era, but that's part of the Sedin era. No, 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 it's its own thing, self-contained. Lives in its own bubble. Exactly. The one-year thing. It's like Jason King. The Jason King era. Another slept-on era. <laughs> Man, it's tough transitioning. Like, you know, Canucks fans
0: were very lucky to go from West Coast Express era into... To Anson
1: Carter. To Jason King.
0: Where's Trent Clatfin in that? I don't know. But it's not exactly a kin. but I always kind of laugh at colts and packers fans is like you don't really know how bad it is because you're very lucky to go from the Favre and era to the rogers era and then the manning to luck era now colts fans are really seeing it. it's like hey what happens when you don't have a, a stalwart at quarterback matt ryan's a quarterback and a high school coach takes over and jeff or sorry uh, jim urstay is all over the place like hey we got to make decisions on the fly here. Sam is going to start. And two weeks
1: later, Matt Ryan's back. That's chaos. You know who doesn't have that problem? The Seahawks went from the Russell Wilson era <laughs> right into the Geno Smith era. Hey, G- this is the
0: Geno Smith era. It might last two seasons, but it's absolutely the Geno Smith era. Uh, did the Seahawks make uh, Bix best? Are they in the power rankings? Let's get to it. Uh, we try to do this every Tuesday. We're doing it on a Wednesday today. Bix best. Counting down the top 10 teams in the NFL. Let's start at number 10. They lose to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In Germany, they hold into the top 10. I had them at 7, I think, last time we did this. They slide down to 10. Slide, because that's what they're doing on the uh, playing surface in Germany as well. Sliding on that. Seahawks. I'm chalking that up to some of the playing surface. That's why I didn't upgrade as well uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I, I gave them the same grade. Buccaneers are just out uh, of the top 10. This is still a team that is absolutely on the rise. That, to me, look, they had a four-game winning streak. You're, you're going to pick up an L at some point. They come out of the buy. They get the, the the Raiders, the Rams, and the Panthers out of the buy. This is still a buy low option. On the Seattle Seahawks. And the Vegas thought so as well. That's why there were underdogs in that game. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Big six in a week's time. Probably going to feature the Seattle Seahawks. As uh, that defense keeps improving. Tariq Woolen with another interception as well. uh, On a hilarious play. Uh, Let's keep moving up though. I'll finally give the Vikings some credit. Into the top ten. Big win obviously for them. In a chaotic way. I don't know if things like. Justin Jefferson on fourth down leaping and doing a one-handed grab with a defender two hands on the ball is going to keep happening. I don't know if fumbles at the one-yard line is gonna, are going to keep happening, but the one thing I did like is they were willing to go downfield a bit more often with Justin Jefferson, so I'll give him some credit for that. The offense could open up, up, up a few more things. Will Kirk Cousins flip back to Kirk Cousins, or will he go downfield with Justin Jefferson a bit more often? They're number nine. Cincinnati Bengals, look, they were on a, uh, a buy last week, so we don't uh, get to see a lot of them, but It's the Jamar Chase thing that could knock him out. If they can't figure out the offense without Chase, that'll knock him out of the top 10. But for now, we'll hold them at eight. I begrudgingly do this. Randy Janda had it much earlier. uh, But I'll finally creep the Miami Dolphins up into the top 10 of the power rankings. Why they're not higher here is the last four weeks... It's Pittsburgh, it's Detroit, it's Chicago, it's Cleveland. The offense has been rolling, absolutely. Want to see them against San Fran coming out of the bye. Want to see them against Buffalo a few weeks after that. They'll play New England again, of course, in divisional game. But the offense does look like it's going to provide a lot of answers. To any questions, defense try to throw their way. And I just got a text from uh, RJ and Killarney. Fins up! Just just the worst. Just the worst. Uh, Dolphins at seven. Just wait till you see where he has the bills. We're getting there. Uh, Ravens holding at number six. Same deal by week. In a week's time, might flip the Ravens and the Dolphins, and the Dolphins keep climbing up, but... Still believe in this offense. I know they got some out uh, the the perimeter receiving options are a bit of a problem. But still Lamar Jackson and the D-line really starting to improve for the Baltimore Ravens. They're getting a bit more of a pass rush. It's what they always do. Guys go out the door. They find ways to find solutions through the draft. Later on in the draft, they got uh, their second-round pick coming back soon as well. Fifth. Let's go to the San Francisco 49ers. Just a professional win. Dom is shaking
1: his head back there. What's going on, Dom? You all right? The five and four 49ers are in your top five. Have you seen this defense? My God. They're incredible. That was a professional win, too. This is so bad.
0: Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel... George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, Jawan Jennings, Eli Mitchell, top 5 power
1: rankings, top 5. Yeah, what? What, you want the Jets in here, Dom? I mean, yes, but even if you don't have if you don't put the Jets in there, top 5 for the 49ers ahead the of teams like the Vikings and the Dolphins? For sure. If they played tonight, the
0: 49ers would run over the Vikings.
1: I don't know. If they
0: played today. If they played today, even though the, the Vikings, the, the defensive line actually really improved for the Vikings uh, in that game against the Bills. But the 49ers are a physical team. And that's football that's going to translate into December and January. I'm worried about the 49ers. Genuinely worried about them. Because because I'm a, traditionally a 49ers hater. Cowboys sitting at number four. Dak is going to get it figured out. Don't worry about that. A little miscommunication with him and CeeDee Lamb. How do you start four with don't worry about that? Don't worry about it. That was a blip of a miscommunication between him and CeeDee Lamb. Dak is solid. That defense is solid. Good game for the Packers who are going through their own losing streak. So that's a massive throw it all at the wall game. Packers got their win. Cowboys are still strong. Eagles sitting at number three. Even after a lost divisional game, Monday Night Football, Commanders all charged up. Eagles still the third best team in the league. The thing that's going to be interesting here, though, is how the Commanders won that game. The second look at Jalen Hurts. Is that a clue that other teams are going to start saying, okay, we can pick a couple things off, off the Commanders. Will the Eagles start to slide? Buffalo Bills Still the second best team in the league. Look, it took a Herculean Herculean effort from Justin Jefferson. Fumbles at the one-yard line are not going to persist. Josh Allen in the red zone is still a monster. I'm not worried about some of those things. They'll bounce back this week. And they'll start to show that they are, again, the second best team in the NFL. Trailing only the Kansas City Chiefs.
1: Dom's upset. set. You put a team on a two-game losing streak, number two in your power rankings. I don't know what else. To they're say. the second-best team in the league, Dom. I don't want to tell you. They're not, if you look at the standings. Second-best team. It, it's not the standings. It's power rankings. Uh, yeah, and their power is going in the wrong direction, losing two games in a row. So what, they'll win next week, and it's like, oh, well, they're fantastic again. So by your estimation, the by your calculation, they lost to the number nine team, and a team not even in the top 10, and you still have them ranked two because you think their power is still that high. So does that mean, like, the Panthers have to be, like, a a top 14 team? No, but I would put the... How do you not put the Eagles ahead of the Bills? How do you not put the Vikings ahead of the Bills? Those teams are on fire right now. Eagles just lost two. That's a good loss, though.
0: They were up, and Justin Jefferson, like... Again, that's a good loss, too, to Minnesota, but they're basically a 4th and 18 conversion away from running away with that game. They're a red zone pick away from running away with that game. Should have been a 3-score lead against Minnesota, and it turns the, the game flips on that play, but a lot of fluky things happen for Minnesota to get that win. Disagree? Agree? Text in 650-650. And if you've got questions about your fantasy football team, we'll pitch them by Danny Kelly next as he joins us from the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on The People Show. Welcome back to The People Show, coming to you live from the Kintech studio. I love a good list that makes people mad. That's how you know a list is good, when it makes people mad. Our guy, Josh Elliott Wolf, noted Vikings fan in the office. Just irate. Had to go for a walk outside the building. Vikings sitting at 9 on the power rank. You can go check it out at Sportsnet650 on Twitter. Uh, We'll talk to Danny Kelly in just a moment. Uh, The Canucks Autism Network Pro-Am Online Auction, it's in full swing at Canucks Autism Network. They provide programs for individuals on the autism spectrum and their families while promoting acceptance and inclusion through community engagement and training initiatives across BC and beyond. You can support this great cause. Explore over 100 items. Bidding closes today at 8.00. So you can go to CanucksAutismNetwork.com. Uh, Alright, we'll get to guess the lines in just a bit, uh, but let's uh, connect with Danny Kelly now, who joins us uh, for the fantasy football update, brought to you by the Clayton Public House. Pre-game to post-game, the Clayton Public House is your home of football. Catch all the action on 15 screens, two giant projectors, the ClaytonPub.com. DK, long time no talk, how are you?
3: I'm doing well, how are you doing?
0: Ah, oh, finally better. Finally better. It was a, a rough two weeks there. Uh, and, and no Canucks games yeah. on Wednesdays, so we're finally uh, thrilled to talk to you. And, and and you can tell people are getting antsy because the inbox is already full of people that are like, I haven't talked to this in, in two weeks. I don't know what to do with my roster. Uh, it, it's getting <laughs> to an interesting part of the season, too, because now trade deadlines should yeah. either be this week or next week.
3: Yeah, I think so. I think it's, uh, I think it's next week. I don't yeah, know that sounds right. It's getting very close.
0: Uh, I, I do want to get into something actually before because you know what traditionally when we talk uh we, we're usually talking about like redraft leagues right and it's okay you know well, what time do you make a move i do want to spend some time uh today for for people that are in dynasty leagues because this is a a, a tough spot too and i know you know I, we, you know we, we do a couple together um but I, I think for people that are maybe new to dynasty because it's become so popular and you know fantasy football has been around for 15, 20 years, maybe people will finally subscribe to Dynasty and still trying to figure out, okay, like when do I push my chips in? And you get at the point yeah. you get to a trade deadline, like what's the right thing to do with your future assets?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think that is that's what makes Dynasty so fun is that it's um, truly forever. It's like you're actually building a team. And um, I don't know. It's, sometimes it's really fun to push all the chips in and go for the, for the championship because, that, to be honest, like with Dynasty teams, you need to have a lot of sort of chips fall into place. A lot of variables go your way to win in any given year. You have to have a couple quarterbacks or a quarterback that is like at its peak, you know, you have to have like, a couple running backs, which running back shelf life is very short relative to like receivers. So you have to have all these variables kind of match up at the same time, I think in order to win in dynasty. And so um, managing like the life cycle of your roster is what I think is so fun about it. Whether you're like building for the future or trying to just win you know, win now and kind of get that get that championship, get that money, and then have that money pay for your next couple of years of rebuilding. However you look at it, I just think it's a lot of fun to, like, have it not end at the end of the year. Like, it goes into the offseason, you get the rookie draft, all that stuff I'm obsessed with. Of course, I'm a, I'm big on the draft, the real NFL draft, so that kind of all meshes together. So, to me, Dynasty is by far the most fun form of fantasy.
0: Is, is there, like, a calculation to, to view some of the, like those first-round picks and you look at and say – like, like, what's the price point if you're a, a fringe playoff team or if you're a, a one- or two-seed or if you're a team that's trying to buy pieces?
3: Like, do, are you talking, like, what's the difference between an early 1st round yeah. rookie draft pick? Yeah. I mean, I think, honestly, the first... If you're, like, a really bad team, your rookie draft picks are going to be worth a ton because, you know, it's going to be, like, top three, top four picks in the draft, in the rookie draft, the dynasty rookie draft, which means you're going to be getting... You know, in this last draft, that was like Brees Hall, Drake London, uh, Kenneth Walker. You're going to get a player that potentially could be really, really good for you for a really long time. Um, and in other years, a lot of times, if you play Superflex too, it's like the top quarterback. So next year, you know, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud. So those top few picks in a, in a dynasty rookie draft are worth a ton. Like that's an elite veteran player. That, that's how much they're worth potentially. Um, so, but then like as you get into the second half or like the half with, of the of the first round or like the late first round in rookie drafts um that's where it gets a little less certain there's less certainty um in terms of like you being able to hit on that draft pick and so i think it's even you you're not going to get like an elite player for one of those first round picks you might have to throw in two first round picks or a first round pick plus a player right um so i think to me like right now i'm just thinking about it like in in rookie drafts like like a guy like tyree kill is probably worth two first round rookie draft picks um, and that's kind of like a way to like sort of ground yourself. And sure. so like, he's an elite player. He's going to help you right now, um, but you're, he's not going to come cheap. You're going to need to give up two like elite, you know, draft picks. And so that's kind of how I look at it. But there's there's like calculators that you can look mm-hmm. up, and um, you know, you look at average draft position and startup drafts is another. There's just a ton of strategies that you don't really think about with, when you're playing redraft.
0: Talking to Danny Kelly from the Ringer Fantasy Football Podcast, also the theringer.com, does the show with Danny Heifetz and Craig Horlbeck. Uh, All right, so uh, some thoughts coming into the inbox. Uh, So we see Cooper Cup is out, and now people are asking, hey, is is Allen Robinson actually viable? (laughs) Uh, Because it it hasn't gone well this season, obviously. But when you're the only target now, is this an offense you even want any part of, or is this maybe a blip that he can produce maybe at a, even a wide receiver three level?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think he's definitely going to, or not definitely, but like I think there's a strong chance he's going to be worth more than he certainly was early just because Matt Stafford was looking to Cooper cup as his first read, like at a higher rate than any other quarterback receiver combination in the NFL. Like that was legitimately the best combination for receiver quarterback in the NFL. And so have taking Cooper cup out, is going to give Allen Robinson so many more opportunities to be the target, you know, for the first read, second read, whatever. He's just going to get more volume, and that's always important. Um, but at the same time, I, you know, hes I don't know if he's good enough anymore to, like, really earn a ton of targets and be, like, an elite player. Like you said, wide receiver three, wide receiver four, like he's definitely going to be more useful, and you can plug him in as a flex. Um, but I wouldn't get too excited about it because they got Van Jefferson. He's going to probably get a good amount of targets. They're going to probably get Tyler Higby more involved maybe try and get their running backs more involved. And at the end of the day, like, honestly, this offense is just going to be worse without Cooper Cup. So um, it just caps the ceiling of everybody on this team. So while, yes, I think a couple of these other players are going to be, probably see a little bit of a bump, I wouldn't get too excited about any of them just because the offense has been bad, Matthew Stafford hasn't been very good, and now you're taking away the best player in the offense, to be honest. So um, I wouldn't expect big things from the Rams offense going forward.
0: Uh I got a text here from Dave in Vancouver. Uh some thoughts on on Van Jefferson that you just kind of mentioned there, but also just like what to do right now with uh questionable QB spots uh with in in New Orleans and Pittsburgh if you have guys like Pickens and Olave.
3: Yeah. Um well right now it seems like in New Orleans uh, Andy Dalton is the starter, at least for now. And that's, I think that's actually a good thing for fantasy. Uh, maybe you know, that's questionable whether it's a good thing for the Saints as a real team. <laughs> but I think mean, in fantasy, he focuses most of his energy and most of his targets through Olave and through Alvin Kamara. And so that gives us something to, you know, kind of like stand on in the fantasy world. So I, I do like Olave going forward. I think, you know, I, I don't think he had a huge week last week, but he's definitely going to continue to be the number one you know, option in that offense. Um, and Andy Dalton's going to look his way, probably like seven, eight, nine, ten times a game going forward. And so I think you can kind of bank on that. And then same with Camaro; like it's just helpful to know a guy's going to check it down versus James right. Winston, who always wants to push the ball downfield. Um, when it comes to the Steelers, you know I think Kenny Pickett is going to have his rookie growing pains. You know I don't know if he's ever going to be a good starter, to be honest. But like right now, they're sticking with him. It sounds sounds like they're going to continue to have him start. Um, and I think the real thing that's important here is Claypool is now gone and so that I think you're going to see more concentrated targets to Deontay Johnson and George Pickens and Claypool is not going to dilute that quite as much as you saw like in the past and so I think that's good um obviously and then you know in terms of the tight end position Pat Friermuth might have a little bit more value going down the stretch than he did early in the season where they're just trying to spread the ball out too much a little bit Um, now it's just going to be more concentrated with Fryermuth um Deontay Johnson and Pickens, and so I think that's good for fantasy again I wouldn't really bank on like high high ceiling with this just because Pickett is a rookie uh, quarterback and anytime you have a rookie quarterback you know offenses generally speaking are just not as good um and so I think you have to kind of cap your expectations but um I do I do think the Claypool trade for the rest of the season is going to benefit those other guys
0: uh, talking to Danny Kelly from the ringer fantasy football podcast uh, if you got questions get them in 650 uh you know as, as we get ready for the trade deadline and you know pending where you are in your league and, and and there could be big names like Aaron Jones could be available from from an owner that's at the bottom of the the, the standings or something like that but I want to focus on the next group because it feels like some guys have emerged here late and could they be discount? options instead of going for the high-end guys like jeff wilson donta foreman Mm -hmm. maybe raheem mostert you can throw in there or even a brian robinson if you didn't want to go big game shopping and you got priced out that cluster of guys is there going to be value for those guys that have staying power for the rest of the season here
1: yeah i mean i like
3: both of those guys you could even throw jeff wilson in there for for miami um after the trade he's kind of turned into like their workhorse and uh, and and i think mostert is more of like a change of pace guy like a the thunder and Lightning type deal. So um, I like both of those. You know, another guy that comes to mind here, I don't know exactly how expensive he's going to be, but Travis Etienne for the Jags has been getting an incredible amount of volume, like way more volume than I would have ever guessed he'd get um, in the NFL. He's, I think he's gotten like over 25, 30 almost carries in games recently. And so um, he's another guy that down the stretch, I think that this offense is probably going to get a little bit better as it goes along. Trevor Lawrence used to be kind of getting into his groove. So he's another guy that I would target. Um, in trades Tony Pollard you know is another guy that just seems to be like forcing the Cowboys essentially to give him more looks like he's just so good he's so explosive um, that he's kind of like working his way into the into the rotation maybe he gets a little bit bigger piece of the pie going forward um, and then you know like it depends on your league of course but a guy like Kenneth Walker <laughs> is another guy that I would be targeting obviously if you're playing with a bunch of Seahawks fans, it might not be the best idea because you're probably going to have to overpay. But, um, you know, he's, he kind of had like a little bit of a you – know, not like a super crazy week this last week, so you could potentially buy um, coming off of that week. And I think he's another guy that's going to just be really good down the stretch. So, yeah, there's a lot of, I think, Tier 2 or Tier 3 running backs that could have huge second half of the year. And, um, you know, they're, like definitely worth trading for right now. Uh,
0: what do we make of the uh, Katerius-Tony uh, performance last week?
2: <laughs> uh I mean I honestly like
3: it's very intriguing. He's definitely one of those guys you can like maybe take a risk on and just trade for because um or if he's on your waiver wire, definitely pick him up because you know, he only played I want to say like forty percent of the snaps this last week and he had he had he racked up almost hundred yards, had a touchdown. Um anytime you're playing with Patrick Mahomes, it's a good thing, of course. And then they're just having the Chiefs are having a lot of injuries right now at the receiver position. So um, you know, just by default, Kadarius Toney could end up being like the number one or number two in this offense. Juju, I think, has
0: been injured,
3: and a couple of the other guys are ill, have illnesses right now. So, you know, this week especially, it could be uh, an explosion week for Kadarius Uh
0: One other question here coming in. Uh, would Tyreek owners be selling high at this point, or will he continue to put up these crazy numbers? Uh, that one's from Rager coming in here.
3: Good question. I mean, it's probably like logically speaking, you're probably going to be selling high. Like, I don't know if you can expect him to continue to have literally like a record setting season. There is an option. There's an opportunity here and there's a chance that he does. Um, I mean, look at what Cooper cup did last year. I think people, if they had sold at the trade deadline with Cooper cup last year, they probably would have regretted it. So there's always this chance, um, you know, that the dolphins offense could continue to like do what they're doing. And, and obviously they're force feeding Tyreek kill. They're force feeding Jalen Waddle and it's good for fantasy. Um, but like, if you're playing the odds, I, I would say it's probably better odds that he doesn't have quite as crazy of a second half of the year, just based on regression and, and everything, and so and injuries potentially could happen, all that stuff. So yeah, I mean, if you can get something huge for Tyree Kill, maybe two guys, for Tyree Kill, um, that's definitely something worth thinking about, just because yeah, like there's always there's always a chance he does end up setting like the catches and, and touchdowns and or not touchdowns, the catches and yards records for the NFL again this year. <laughs> Um, but like odds are probably stronger that he, he fades a little bit in the second
0: half. Uh, I, I guess we we can't end a fantasy segment without talking about uh, Justin Fields, and and now this is the thing that like you've oh, yeah. talked about all the time, where it, it's not like like getting quarterbacks obviously is valuable, but the guys that can rush is where it gets yeah. supercharged, and we're finally seeing kind of like that theory on steroids right now, uh, recently with Justin Fields. Um, it you know what about the how he's playing right now means that this is going to keep going on
3: well i mean obviously it's tough to expect him to have i think he has two straight weeks of 60 plus yard rushing touchdowns i don't think you can expect that to happen like continuously or, or consistently um so i would say you know he's another guy like tyree kill that like if you saw him right now you'd be probably selling him at an absolute peak but at the same time um you if you do sell him like you're going to be missing out on the the like really high-end potential spike weeks that he brings just because they are designing so many run plays for him like they didn't do this early on in in his career it sounds like halfway through the season or a quarter way through the season they started looking at like Lamar Jackson tape and um starting to realize that they could have him be a part of their run game and they've they've you know upped his his designed rushes plus his scramble. he's he's always been a scrambler but they've designed they've opportunities for him to run the ball than they ever have in the past so i don't think that's going away i think they're they're realizing this is really working it's giving him a lot of confidence it's helping out the entire offense helping out the run game so i don't think this is going away i don't think this is a blip i don't know if it's going to be a long-term thing for him necessarily but like this year it makes so much sense for them to do that for him just because it gives him so much confidence so long story short they're giving him so many design runs and he's so fast and he's so explosive as a runner that I don't see any big reason that this is going to completely fall off the map and like be like a real blip on the radar. I think it's going to continue throughout the rest of the year. Again, you're not going to see like the 60 yard run probably every game, um, but they are giving him so many opportunities that you're going to see him score touchdowns. You're going to see him rush for maybe 60, 70 yards a game. And that's absolutely massive and fancy. He's over the last four weeks, he's averaging 20 points just as a runner, Like he's like the top, he's like a top six running back in the NFL. Um, and that doesn't even talk about his throwing. So he's like having two players in your lineup almost.
0: Uh, DK, we appreciate it as always. Uh, We'll talk next week uh, as we get ready for the trade deadline then.
3: All right, sounds
0: good. Thank you very much. Danny Kelly, uh, again, uh, from the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. If you didn't get your question, email him at uh, ringerfantasyfootball@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Before we get out, let's get to the people's picks. Brought to you by Play Now Sports. Every game will feel like the big game when you bet with Play Now Sports. Brought to you by BCLC. Dom is uh, loading up, playnow.com. And, uh, oh, yeah, I love that music. And then the ticker comes out. Oh, it's, it's tense. Oh, yeah, there it is. Uh, it's Guess the lines. doing it on a Wednesday today. Good Guess show yesterday. Uh, so what do you got, Dom? Let's start with the Panthers at Ravens. Panthers at Ravens. Uh, Panthers at Ravens. Panthers get their win over Atlanta. Uh, look good in that monsoon. As well, uh, about, about as well as you can look. Uh, Ravens coming off the bye. There's nothing good about that game. It was still enjoyable. It was was still still live sports. Uh, You got to figure it's at least double digits. Let's go. It won't be full 13. Baker starting. Let's go 12 and a half.
1: You should have gone with that first. It's 13. 13. That's a lot of points, man. Sure is. Sure is. Uh, Let's move on to the next one. Bears at Falcons. Bears at Falcons. Bears at Falcons.
0: We just talked about Justin Herbert, or Justin Herbert, Justin Fields. Uh, on the road to the Falcons, who ma- is some of the shine starting to come off them? They obviously started at 6-0 against the spread, which was massive for uh, bettors. Uh, I will say, I-, I think there's some juice behind this Bears team. Let's go, man, Bears. Ah, you know what, pick them. Let's go pick them.
1: I think it's not a pick What's a pick Just zero. Oh, then no. It's uh, Falcons minus three. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Full field goal. Yeah. So oh, I, I th- felt really stupid in that moment. No, I was like, fine. what the hell's a pick-em? <laughs> uh all
0: right. Hang on. I got to write down the Bears. So yeah, Fal- big six. yeah,
1: Falcons minus three. Interesting.
0: How yeah. will that Bears – or how, sorry, how will the Falcons defense uh, match up with Justin Fields? All right. Man,
1: that was way off. Uh, another one? Yeah, Okay. Uh, Browns at Bills. Browns at Bills. So Bills recover now
0: from a two-game winning streak, as uh, Dom uh, said many times during the power ranks. Uh, the Browns, the, it feels like they're just looking ahead to the uh, – when Deshaun Watson comes back. They had a, just an epic loss to Miami. Their season's over, so it's got to be over a touchdown. Uh, let's go eight and a half. a half mmm
1: Bills minus eight. You were close. Okay. You're really close in all of these.
0: Well, I was way off on Chicago. Sure, but uh, I guess that's the point of this exercise: yeah. find value.
1: Uh, the next one. Let's go Rams at Saints. Rams at Saints. So Rams, man, you're choosing
0: some unappealing games here. Uh, Rams lose to the Cardinals. They just look lost right now. There's just no athleticism. Cooper Cup's now out. Saints have their own issues. So you got to figure – I should have went with the two bad teams theory with uh, Chicago as well. So it's got to be at least a field goal. Does Andy Dalton merit the hook? Let's go three and a half. Saints favored by three and a half.
1: Yeah. There you go. Wow, he gets the hook. That's kind of gross. Uh, I'll give you a choice on this next one. Do you want to go Jets at Patriots? Yeah, let's go with that one. Or Lions at Giants? No, let's go your Jets. Okay. Uh, Jets
0: at Patriots. Jets at Patriots. Uh, Both teams coming off the bye, aren't they? Uh, How will the Patriots prepare for the New York Football Jets? Wait, do you guys call yourself the Football Jets, or is that the Giants thing?
1: Uh, Never called them the New York Football Jets. Okay,
0: so they lost the Patriots uh, a few weeks ago. So you got to figure Patriots at home still favored here. Uh, three and a half Patriots favored. Hats plus three. Or sorry, Pats minus three. Minus three. Yeah. It was a little off. So they just gave him the three. All right. Might have to find some value on that one there. Uh, interesting. All right. Well, Chicago, the the, the big leader there in, uh, Big Six. We'll see if, uh, what happens on Friday. I uh, went three and three last week. 32, 25 and three on the year, 56%. Uh, We'll see uh, how it grows into Friday. That's People's Picks, brought to you by PlayNow Sports. When you choose to bet on sports at playnow.com, you're playing on the only site whose profits go back to BC. Know your limit. Play within it. It's Wednesday, Canucks Central on the way. Kevin Woodley, I believe, on the show later today on Canucks Central with Dan Riccio, Satyar Shah, Zoltaka, all Canucks here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.